Tonight we're looking at peace as we have been since January. And so tonight we're looking at the title, May the God of Peace Equip You. And so we want to look at two uh, important words in this tonight, the God of Peace as well as Equip. And we're in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And we'll go to Hebrews chapter 9 in here also. But Hebrews 13 verse 20 is where we start. And the writer is saying to us, as he was to the Hebrew people of the day, May the God of Peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. And there's a comma there, so the sentence runs on into the next verse. But I want to break this down first to make sure we're understanding where we're going the rest of the way. I want to talk about the God of Peace. Well, who is this God of Peace? The scripture literally reads, the God who gives peace. The God we serve, the true and living God we serve, is the God who gives peace. If we're looking for peace in our heart, peace in our mind, peace in our life, peace in our home, peace in our marriage, peace in our family, there's only one place we're going to get it, and it's from God. We're not going to get it by going to this or that or trying this or trying that. We're only going to get that peace in our hearts, our lives, our marriage, our home, our family, our children, our parents, whoever it may be, only through Christ, only through a relationship with Him. And so this God of peace is the God who gives peace. And so then we read again, the God who gives peace through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of our sheep, the shepherd of the sheep. So here's what he's saying. This God who gives peace through the blood sacrifice of Jesus, dying on the cross, establishing an eternal covenant with those who are born again. So Jesus died on the cross. He was our blood sacrifice. Jesus died because we needed a sacrifice for our sins, and it's an eternal sacrifice through a new covenant eternally to those that are born again. Does anybody have a knife on you? I meant to bring one tonight. A bunch of people. Boy, we're the knife-totingest bunch of people ever. <laughs> How many people do have a knife on you? <laughs> Yes, he does. Deb has one? Okay. Oh, it's in the car, actually. Okay. I meant to bring a knife, but I didn't, so you supplied the need. I won't ask how many of you have a gun on you, so... <laughs> we're we're kind of like the... That's not a very good story. Well, I'll go and tell it anyway. We're kind of like the, the old bar in the old rural area of this bar that you would go into. If you didn't have a knife when you went in... They gave you one at the door. And so I guess we're kind of like a church. If you don't have a knife when you come in, they give you one at the door. But uh, anyway, maybe not literally. That had nothing to do with anything. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, where were we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the blood sacrifice. What he's referring to is out of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, what they would call, the Hebrew people would call the Levitical law, the law of Moses, uh, the law they followed from God through the people there. And at the time of sacrifice, when a family would come to the temple there in Jerusalem to sacrifice their goat, their sheep, their bird, their pigeon, whatever it might have been, for the sins that they had committed through the year, what they would do is bring their animal down to the front of the area there in the worship area and meet the priest. And the priest would pick up the sacrificial knife and they're going to sacrifice their, let's say, a goat. And they're going to sacrifice the goat so the blood can be spilled out into a pan to be taken by the priest into the Holy of Holies and put on the altar for the forgiveness of their sins. 
because as we're going to read, maybe I need to get on into it. Let, let's go ahead in Hebrews 9.22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with, all, with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, talking about Jesus, of course. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one, the one in heaven. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he's appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to do away with the sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ will sacrifice once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So I wanted to get those verses in from Hebrews 9, 22 through and following because that's explaining maybe what I'm trying to say about what was happening. Here comes the family, got their little goat, got their family with them. The priest meets them at the altar because he's going to take the blood from the goat in a pan into the Holy of Holies, as we just read a moment ago, put it in the altar and pray for those people for their sins to be forgiven. But as it says, uh, everything... In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. God had initiated this. God had started the sacrificial system for the Jewish people from the very beginning of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve started all this. (laughs) When they sinned, God said there's only one way for your sins to be forgiven. I'm sorry to be flashing a knife around up here. (laughs) I just realized what I was doing and... People on TV, why is he flashing a knife? What kind of people he's got up there in that place? And so uh, Adam and Eve sinned, and the only way their sins were going to be forgiven was for an animal to die. And can you imagine the very first animal they saw die in the Garden of Eden was because of their sins? And God took the animal and took the skins, you know, made clothing for them, put them on them. And for that skins to come off that animal, that animal had to die sacrificially because of their sins. Their sins caused the death of that animal. So God began the sacrificial system from Leviticus and on. And so there again, he, he, the family comes to the priest. Priest going to put the blood in the pan, take it to the altar, holy of holies, pray for the family, and the sins are going to be forgiven. But here's what would happen. They bring the uh, husband and wife, say two children come forward, got their goat. The priest would hand the knife to the father. And the father would have to cut the throat of that goat and let the blood spill out into a pan as that goat died. And take the blood from that goat, the priest would then go to the Holy of Holies, leaving the family here, into, through the curtain, into the Holy of Holies, and, and pour it out on the altar for their sins to be forgiven and pray over and ask God to forgive their sins and so on and so forth. But can you imagine that family standing there and watching Daddy do that with their pet? I mean, there's the children. This is little Ralphie. <laughs> you know, we, we've raised him from just a small little pet, and, and we fed him, and, and we toted him around, and, and now look what Daddy's doing. And, and look what the priest did, you know, and why? Can't you see that as a teachable moment? 
for the parents to be able to say, here's why, children. We sin. And because of our sin, to be cleansed, to be forgiven of our sins, God said, you know what has to happen? <laughs> That's shedding of blood. There's no forgiveness of sins. And that's why this has to happen here, they said. And so the family is teaching, the daddy's teaching, the mama's teaching, and the children grow up and they teach their children, so on and so on. Why? Because of our sins. And then Jesus comes along. Why would the perfect Son of God have to come into this world, die on a cross, oh, <laughs> because of my sins. And He sheds His blood not over and over, year after year, year after year, but one time. And as horrible as we think in our minds that of what was happening here with the family and, and all this, as horrible as that is, imagine the horror of Jesus. I mean, dying on the cross, establishing a covenant with us who are born again, that we have the opportunity then to be saved, to be born again because of what He did on the cross. So... Going back through, kind of explain it once more. In fact, the law requires nearly everything be cleansed of blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. So bring Jesus in here, you see. So therefore, it was necessary. It, was, it had to be done for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. Copy, copies of the heavenly things is the sacrificial system, the holy of holies, the altar, the blood. The copy was made in the temple there through all those things and to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves, with better sacrifice, Jesus. Jesus was the better sacrifice. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary. He didn't go into this holy of holies and draw blood and put it on the altar and all that. He didn't enter a man-made sanctuary. It's only a copy of the true one, the one in heaven. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. So he goes to God and says, Lord, Father, I am the sacrifice for those people one by one there at the altar needing sacrificial blood shed for them so their sins could be forgiven once and one time only. Lord, I'm that sacrifice. Father, I'm that sacrifice. And so that's what he did. That's what he's doing. He appears in, his presence, in the presence of God. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, just one time on the cross. That's all it took the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that's not his own. The blood that he would collect in the plate, in the bowl, that was his, not his blood. It was representing the blood uh, to be cleansed for that family. And it's doing it over and over, over and over. Here's family. Here's another family. Here's another family. <coughs> on and on it goes all day long. And so it's the most holy place every year with the blood that's not, that's not Jesus. One time, enters heaven, he's sacrificed, it's done. Then Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. Christ would have had to do it over and over and over and over, just like we're talking about here with the animal. But now he's appeared once and for all at the end of ages to do away with the sin by the sacrifice of himself. So he says, it's done. It's settled. And so our response to that is just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face the judgment, so Christ will sacrifice once, take away the sins of many people. Many people being those that are born again, those who are saved. Those who repent of sin and turn to Jesus to be saved, invite them to come and live in His heart through the Holy Spirit. doesn't say for all because, you see, there's people out there that said, all people are going to go to heaven when they die because look at what Jesus did. 
He did it for everybody. Well, he did do it for everybody, yes, but we have to accept it. We have to repent. We have to turn to him. We have to follow him. It's not just, okay, he did it, and everybody's going to heaven. It's for those that are born again, those who are saved. Christ sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, many people that are born again and saved, and he'll appear a second time. Not to bear sin, not to do it all over again, but to bring salvation to those who are So it's a complete ending when he comes back for us to unite us with him there in heaven because he's already taken care of our sin. So therefore, Jesus is our God of peace as he becomes the great shepherd of his sheep as we look back on verse 20 there, uh, he becomes our shepherd uh, through our new birth, through being born again. Uh, that's, that's what he's doing um, as a great shepherd. So, all right, let's start back over. Kind of went around by Laura's house, you should say. So let's start back where we started. Hebrews thirteen twenty. May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of our sheep, Verse 21, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So what Jesus is doing is equipping us, getting us ready to do his work, his will, uh, and the work that is pleasing to him that's going to bring glory to God. So everything God calls us to do, leads us to do, is going to bring glory to him. If we're following Jesus, if we're doing his will day in and day out, denying self, taking up a cross, following him, if we're doing that, everything we do is going to bring glory to him. Everything. Because that's what he's leading us to do. So this great shepherd, Jesus, equips us for everything we need for doing his will. Equip you with everything good for doing his will. Jesus does that. He's our great shepherd now. He's, uh, we're the sheep. He's shepherd, so we're following him. And uh, he gives us everything we need to do his will. But what does that word equip mean? The word equip means perfectly joined together. Uh, the chairs, the pews that you're sitting on, all of that's perfectly joined together. All the pieces of the piano are carefully, perfectly joined together. This is, this table is, this is. Uh, the building itself, the fans, the lights, all the pieces and parts are carefully and perfectly joined together to make something function properly. That's the word equip. That's what he's doing to us. He wants all the pieces of our life to just fit perfectly together so that we are fully equipped, if you use that word, to be able to please him and glorify him. So therefore, as we're walking through our day, walking through our life, following him, doing his will, we're right in the middle of his will, then all the pieces of our life for that day are fitting perfectly together to please him and bring glory to him. It also means to make someone completely adequate for something. So if God is equipping us to do his work, to do his will, uh, that's going to be pleasing to him and glorify him, he's going to give us everything completely adequate that we need. Well, God, I'm, I'm going to follow you and do this work. I, I believe this is your will to lead me here and do this and keep going this day that I'm in today. But I'm not sure I'm going to have everything I need. I'm not sure I'm prepared to do that. I'm not sure I can do that. I, I've never gone that way before. I've never done that before. And he says, you're following me, aren't you? Yeah. You're doing my will, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to keep going where I want you to go? Yeah. Then I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you completely, make you completely adequate to do whatever it is I'm calling you to do. 
Another phrase that I saw in the uh, Bible dictionary is to furnish completely. It's like this stage up here. The stage is furnished completely. We've got chairs for the choir people to sit in. We've got a pulpit. We've got a piano. We've got flags. We've got carpet. We've got everything up here. It's furnished completely to do what we need to do. Now imagine if we took the chairs out. What if we just removed the chairs? What does the choir do then during the time they're up here? They stand up the whole time. How about that, choir? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> standing on the promises, yeah. <laughs> Be standing on the promises the whole time you're up here, choir. So you have chairs. And imagine if just just remove the bench from the from the piano. What's Sue gonna do? Stand up the whole time. <laughs> stand up the whole time. What I missed that, I'm sorry. Must have been good. Jerry Lee Lewis, okay. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, good. Uh, mm. Okay. Yeah, now I got this vision. Okay. Uh, it's just, it gets up in there, your mind doesn't bubble. I mean, just start, your mind just goes wild. Uh, so, furnished completely. I shouldn't even go in there, should I? Furnished completely. So, you got everything you need. And your house, your house is furnished, I assume, I hadn't been to everybody's house, but I assume your house is furnished completely for you to have something to sit on, a table to eat on, and, and all the things you have, TV, whatever you got. So the same thing applies to us spiritually. God perfectly joins us together in all the things we need to go through the day following Him to please Him and to glorify Him. But He also makes us completely adequate for something to do whatever it is he wants us to do. He makes us adequate. He supplies what we need. But he furnishes us completely. He says, you're going to need this to do what I want you to do today, so let me give you this furniture and that furniture. Now you got everything you need to do what I want you to do. So that's that equipping. So when he says he's going to equip us for everything good, with everything good for doing his will, that he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus, to me glory forever and ever. So he says, I'm going to perfectly join together, supply everything you need, furnish you completely, so that you can work for me, Jesus, and you can please me, and you can glorify me. Is what the whole purpose is in God doing a work in our life. God didn't equip us. Notice it doesn't say, I'm going to equip you so that you can be saved and sit and just wait till I come back to get you and you'll be ready to go. No. <laughs> Never at any point does God say, I'm going to save you to sit and wait for you many to come back to get you. It's not in here. So he says, I'm going to equip you, get you ready to do something for my to do my will, my work that's pleasing to me, that's going to bring glory to me at all times. So now the word doing, equip you for everything good, for doing his will. That is, you're working his will, you're, <clears throat> you're performing his will, you're fulfilling his will. So it's not something, again, that we're just going to sit down and, and not do anything. We're going to be working. Uh, and everybody does different. Everybody does a different work for Jesus. Everybody's different. I mean, everybody's gifted. Everybody's talented in a different way. But we're all doing something. Again, we're not just sitting and saying, okay, Jesus, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. Whenever you get ready to come to get me, I'm, I'm ready. I'm sitting today, I'm sitting tomorrow, sitting next week. We don't do that. We're working. We're doing something. We're performing. We're fulfilling the will of God for our life so that we can please Him and glorify Him and all the said and done. Therefore, get out of breath. 
Let me slow down. Uh, I've been taking medicine for the last several days, and so <clears throat> I need to try to open this if I can. Where's a knife? No, I better not do that. I'll have water everywhere. Oh, well, never mind. Oh, wait, I did get it. It's spewing out. Mm. I'm sorry, I didn't. <laughs> now it's all over my pulpit and the Bible. And... <laughs> I'm not. I'm wet hands now. <laughs> Therefore, God equips us and perfectly joins us together with Him. He equips us, gives everything we need, joins us together with the Holy Spirit with Him to do and to work and to perform the will of God. He doesn't equip us just to say, hey, you're ready to go now. One of these days, you're going to be ready to go. Just, just hold on. I'm going to get you ready. And just like the paper towels that are coming, it's all right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Got any Kleenex to go with that? Something else. <laughs> so that's what I'm equipped. <laughs> I get everything I need to dry my hands now. I didn't have to wipe them on my pants. But God does that. He just equips us. He perfectly joins together with Him. So that we can do something for him. He says, You got it, you got what you need now. You can wipe your hands, and so you can do something for me to do the will of God, just to perform the will of God. So we have to look at our life every single day. God, I, I want to do your will. Do do we start there? Do we do that on a daily basis? God, I just want to do your will. I know what I want to do. I know what my desires are. I know what my feelings are about this. I know what my emotions are saying about this. And I know what I really feel I want to do today. But God, what is your will? Just, just show me your will. And God begins to work in us. God begins to move in us. God begins to show us His peace and His will and His leadership and His guidance. And we're listening and we're tuned in. We're looking at Scriptures. We're praying. We're asking Him His will. And we're just taking our day and just walking through the day. Denying self, not doing what we want to do. Taking up a cross daily, doing His will, and then just following Jesus. We're just following Jesus. And so along the way, He's given us everything we need. He's equipping us, perfectly joining us together with Him to do the work, perform His will. And that's a day-by-day task. It's not so, something we have to think about, what am I going to be doing Friday? He says, let's just get through Sunday first. We're not through Sunday yet. And then in the morning, let's start all over. <laughs> when you wake up, just, God, what's your will today? Just show me day by day. I mean, step by step through the day as I walk in your will. And so then finally, the, the will of God is simply to please Him. And all we do is He equips us to do His will, to please Him in all we do by bringing glory to Him. You say, that sounds like a redundant sentence because you've got two things saying twice. Well, let me show you. The will of God is to please Him in all that we do. Okay? Simple, isn't it? Everything we do is to please God, right? As He equips us to do His will. Okay, God, you want me to do everything today to please you? Yeah. So as I go through my day, you're going to equip me to do everything I do to do your will. Mm -hmm. And to please you in all that I do. Mm -hmm. By bringing glory to you, right? Yeah. Simple, isn't it? God, your will is for me to please you in all that I do today. 
because as you, I'm pleasing you in all that I do, you're equipping me to do whatever I need to do to please you, right? And everything I do as I please you is going to bring glory to you, isn't it, God? Mm -hmm. Simple, isn't it? Easy. And so many times we want to look down the road, way down there sometimes, or even toward the end of the week, he says, let's get through today. Let's just do today. Say Abraham had a call from God. God said, I want you to leave where you are and come to a land I'll show you. He'd never been there. Didn't have a map. Didn't have a compass. Didn't know where he was going. He just knew he was going to where God called him to go. He was following Jesus day by day. And along the way, he, God told him, okay, turn here. Okay, let me go that way and read this way. 800 miles later, he arrives where God wants him to be because he did this. I'm going to please you today, God. I don't know where we're going. <laughs> I know you know, but I don't. I'm just following you. And he winds up where God wants him to be, right in the middle of his will the whole time. And so the best place for us to be every single day is right in the middle of God's will, right in the middle of it. Are we there? Are we doing this? Are we doing it today? We will do this tomorrow. We'll do everything to please Him as He equips us to please Him and to do His will and to bring glory to God. Let's do that.